Well, good morning, Burlington. Bellevue, Bellevue Baptist Church. <laughs> I should really be in a home somewhere <laughs> so people can take care of me. Well, thank you for all the music this morning. Wasn't it grand? It really, really was. It really, really was. And I, I look forward to the music at Bellevue. Uh, it's always special, and uh, I, I appreciate it. Uh, if you are our guest here today, and you know, I always worry about church attendance on a three-day weekend, and school ended this week. And if ever there was a time for people to shout and holler because school is finally over, this year has been dreadful, hasn't it? Yeah, get it out of your system. Just go ahead, celebrate it, and uh, but look at our attendance. We are glad that you are here, and uh, I hope all of you who are involved in the school system enjoy the summer. Uh, you certainly, you certainly deserve it. Now, Memorial Day weekend is a special anniversary for me as well. I got to looking yesterday on May the thirty-first. 1961, I preached my first sermon 60 years ago this weekend, 60 years ago, and I'm still at it, and I appreciate Bellevue giving me the chance to still be at it, and I should be in a home somewhere, but, uh, but uh, you all have saved me from a home, and uh, I, I appreciate it so, so very much. We are concluding the series on The Lord is My Shepherd, and today it is I Will Dwell in the House of the Lord Forever. Look at the screen. Let's read it one more time out loud together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Pray with me. Now, Father, I pray that you pour through me this morning the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today. Give each of us here just the message that you want us to hear about living in your house forever. We pray this in the name of our good shepherd and all God's people said, amen. There are a lot of dumb, dumb commercials. Would you agree? They insult your intelligence, don't they? I used to think that the people who wrote the commercials should be making the, the programs because the programs were not good and the commercials were. Now it's just the opposite. I never seen so many dumb, dumb commercials that just absolutely insult your intelligence. 
One of the dumbest that I've ever seen, these three, these guys are all gathered around a campfire and they're drinking beer. And one of them lifts his can and says, it doesn't get any better than this. And I'm thinking, you are camping out, which is something I would never do. You are living in tents. You are sleeping on the ground. You have no facilities, and you haven't showered in days, and you stink, and you smell like body odor and fish, and besides, you're away from everybody that you love. And I'm thinking, if it doesn't get any better than this, I'd get drunk too. But it gets a lot better than this. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, I got to thinking long ago, and I wrote it down, what do old atheists have to look forward to? Think about it. What do old atheists have to look forward to? But I know what God's aging children look forward to because I'm one of God's aging children. I'm experiencing all the issues that they say happens when you get old. And your doctor says, oh, you're in the golden years. Nothing golden about them except the money I have to pay him. You know, I'm patting myself less on my back now and more on my belly. I, I have everything that I had 25 years ago, only it's lower now than it used to be. I reached down the other day to pull up my socks and get the wrinkles out of them, and I wasn't even wearing socks. So, <laughs> so I am one of God's aging children. King David, when he wrote Psalm 23, was one of God's aging children. As an old soul, he looks back over his life and he is overwhelmed with God's continuing care in the face of all of his threats and all of David's failures. David sinned greatly. But he says, I have been followed through all of that with goodness and mercy. Dr. Harry Arnside, who was the longtime pastor at Moody Church in Chicago, used to say that mercy and goodness were God's sheepdogs that kept us and protected us. So as David nears the valley of the shadow, he maintains a peace and a security and an optimism because he believes that God saves the best for last. And he concludes this most popular text in all of the Bible, the most beloved text in all the Bible. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to pull two thoughts out of that text, and the first one is this. The care God is providing. The care God is providing. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, the word follow there means to pursue. In the Old Testament, when they were pursuing their enemy, when they were chasing their enemy, 
and trying to destroy their enemy, they used the word pursue. They pursued the enemy to destroy them. And they would use that word pursue. And David is saying here, surely goodness and mercy pursues me. It has pursued me like an army pursues its enemies. And David knew something about this. David had been anointed the next king of Israel. His crazy father-in-law, King Saul, pursued him, drove him to the wilderness for 10 or 15 years out of jealousy in order to kill David before he could come to the throne. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, this old king, his own son, Prince Absalom, and his young cronies led a coup against his father, David, in order to take his throne. And David had to run into the wilderness from his own son's army to save his life. So David knew what it was like to be pursued by an enemy. So David looks back as a child of God on his life. And through all of that, all of David's ups and downs, he said, God has pursued me, chased after me, protected me with goodness and mercy. And now he is an old man. And he sees how the good shepherd, in the darkest hours of his life, protected him with goodness and mercy. Now look at your life. Can you say that? Surely goodness and mercy is easy to say here in church, isn't it? But what about an emergency room? What about a hospice facility? What about an empty house? What about standing beside a fresh grave? What about divorce court? What about visiting your child in jail? When all these tests and trials come, can we say with confidence and believe it, surely goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life? I can look back on those events and say that God was chasing me with goodness and mercy. This is exactly what Paul was trying to say in Romans 8 chapter. He said, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, be careful with that verse. Paul is not saying that all things are good. And he is not saying that God says all things are good. Not at all. You remember, <clears throat> you remember when your mama made a cake and she let you stay in the kitchen and help her? And she got out the flour and the sugar and the vanilla and the eggs and the sugar. All of those ingredients tasted terrible except the sugar. And what would mama do? She'd mix all of those ingredients together. Then she would put them in a hot oven. And out of that hot oven then would come this delicious cake. That is exactly what David is saying. That is exactly what Paul is saying. 
God is like that. He takes all the stuff in our life, good, bad, and ugly. He mixes it all together. He puts us in the, in the furnace, in the trials, in the troubles to produce the child that he wants. So you see, I think it's sometimes it's, it takes the wisdom of an old soul to appreciate God's constant care. You young people here, I, I'm not sure that you can relate to this yet. I'm not sure that you can really understand this yet. Surely goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life. Because sometimes you have to live a certain number of years. Sometimes you have to go through certain kinds of life experiences. And then you look back on them. And you will have the wisdom of an aging child of God that says, Ha! I see. Look at all those experiences we've been through. How many times have Joyce and I laid in bed at night and talked about these things? This, 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 and surely goodness and mercy were there protecting us and watching us and chasing us. And like God's sheepdog, protecting us. Charles Spurgeon was one of the great preachers in Britain. And he and a friend were out walking in the country. And Spurgeon saw a weather vane on a barn that said, God is love. And it bothered Sir Spurgeon. Spurgeon said, God is love shouldn't be on a weather vane. Because God's love is constant. You know, God's love is constant. It shouldn't be on a weather vane. His friend said, Charles, 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 you don't understand. No matter which way the wind blows, God is love. David says, surely goodness and mercy chased me all of my days. The care that God is providing. David was comfortable. Confident that all of his life, God had protected him. I believe that if we look at life and look at our experiences, we can agree with David. Surely goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life. The care that God provides. I want to pull another truth out of this. I think David now, as an old soul is talking about the home that God is providing. The home that God is providing. I believe Psalm 23 has been so important and so loved and so comforting to the church down through the centuries because it reminds us that God has saved the best for last. David's song reminds us God is preparing a home. There are three truths in, in what David has said. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me pull them out. This is the first one is this. Heaven is sure. Heaven is sure. Surely, surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, folks, if heaven and hell were not real, Jesus could not be trusted. A lot of Americans don't believe. Uh, I got it down. 46% of Americans don't believe in hell, and 67% doesn't believe in heaven. You know, if Jesus cannot be trusted, Jesus talked more about heaven and hell than anybody Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus always told us the truth. Look what he said. Pray like this, our Father in where? Heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember when the apostles came back from their first mission trip and oh they were so excited and they were, they, they were telling Jesus that the demons were subject to them and they healed people. Jesus said, boys, 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 do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So Jesus was truth in the flesh and Jesus would not allow us to believe in this delusion of heaven if it were not real. He, he told us the truth about it. Now, we did a long series on heaven. There's still a lot about heaven that we don't know. But in that series, you remember, we talked about that heaven is real. It is sure. And Jesus is preparing a home for us in heaven. And you know, when we believe that and hold on to that, it keeps us motivated when the, journey, when the journey gets really hard. And boy, it gets really hard sometimes. I think that this is one of the reasons why that we are comforted by the songs about heaven. When we get so down and get so discouraged and we're looking death in the face and life is hard. I think that's a reason why we like to sing songs about heaven. And I don't know what your favorite song about heaven is. I got to thinking this week, and I couldn't figure out one that was just my favorite because they're so, all of them are so encouraging. So heaven is sure, surely, surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Heaven is a reunion. Heaven is a reunion. Look what David says, surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now that house means household. We are going to be with God's family in his house. Heaven is a family reunion. I will live in the house with God's family forever. Now let me ask you where where will you live forever? In the house of the Lord? If his house is your forever house, then what does this mean about our earthly houses? Short-term housing, that's all that they are. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven. And this explains why we get so homesick. B.J. Thomas died yesterday. These kids have no idea who he is. No idea. But you remember in 1976, he had a smash song. And it was talking about, I'm going home. Remember that? And in that song, I listened to it this morning. In that song, he mentions twice about being homesick for heaven. Now, have you ever been homesick? Ooh, it is awful. I have had a problem with homesickness since I was a boy. I did not like to be away from my grandmother. I wanted to be home. And I still have a problem with homesickness. I'm seven or eight years old. And uh, <laughs> I still get homesick. When I go to House Edelweiss, and some of the folks here this morning, the Smiths and, and, and uh, Linda and Pat, 
they, they have been to the house with us. And when I go to House Edelweiss in Vienna to teach, I'm gone about two weeks. And Joyce doesn't usually go with me unless the Smiths and somebody go with her so she can party. Uh, <laughs> and so, so, so she doesn't usually go with me. And uh, we aren't used to being separated that long. And uh, during the second week of the classes, it ends on Thursday at noon. And uh, our grades are due in the dean's office after lunch. Well, we finished, the faculty finishes up with the dishes and the short-term workers, we finish the dishes. And then I, go, I went to the dean's office to turn my grades in. <laughs> and when you turn your grades in, you get your evaluation. <sighs> and I always told my, kid, my students, if you give me a good evaluation, I'll give you a good grade. And so, so we had a deal going. But I, would lay, I, laid my I laid my grades on the dean's desk. And as soon as I did, I was so homesick. I was ready to go home. I was ready. And I was homesick. And I wasn't leaving till Saturday morning. And I was really, really homesick. Now, what I felt that Thursday at the house, you have felt. When your husband died, when your wife died, when you buried a child, when you learn about the lump or the spot on your lung. And some of you felt far from home ever since your family broke up. And I know parents, even to this day, even though their kids are gone and gone, they still have a problem with the empty nest syndrome. They hate it. And the twists and the turns of life have a way of reminding us that we are not home. And that's okay. Max Lucado said in his book, Traveling Light, homesickness is one of the burdens God doesn't mind that we carry. Heaven is a family reunion. Friday, I buried a longtime member of First Church. And then from that I hastened over to Bullitsburg for the funeral of my good friend Ronnie Hodges. And I was able to say to John's family and I was able to say to Rita and the girls and Randy and those precious grandchildren what I have said from this pulpit and what I've said from the pulpit at First Church so many years. Those who believe in Jesus never see each other for the last time. Amen. After the reunion of the family, we can fill up pages of names of people that we want to see or that we want to meet. After we've visited all our families ever. Now, you, you're got, you have a list you think of people that you want, you want to meet. I will be more than happy to stand in a long, long line to meet Abraham Lincoln. And if you knew me real well, I'll stand in a long, long line to meet John Stott, one of my heroes. And if you knew me real well, you know that Harry Truman is my favorite American. And I hope Harry's there. He'll have to clean up his language if he is there. 
but I hope he is there. I would like to meet him. Now, all of us have favorite Bible characters that we want to meet. You've got yours. Talk to me. Who's the favorite Bible character that you want to meet? Why? Joshua? Joshua? Noah? Noah? Who? Moses. Who else? David. Paul. Job. Job. My favorite character is going to surprise you. There is not one recorded word of his in Scripture. Not one word. All we got are his righteous actions in a terrible situation that he was put in. I want to meet Joseph, Mary's husband. You talk about a man. Woo! You talk about a man. The words, you know, we say here today, man up. Did ever a man fit that? It's Joseph, man up. He, he treated Mary. How do you think Jesus, where do you think Jesus learned to treat women as well as he did? Where do you think he learned that? He saw Joseph and the way he treated Mary. And Joseph took on the responsibility of the Son of God. How would you like that responsibility? And then they lost him in in Jerusalem, and my word, Mary, we've lost God. He's back at the temple. How would you like that responsibility? I want to meet Joseph. What a man. What a man. But most of all, what we're looking forward to is being with Jesus. Amen. John Barfield, our folks here from First Church, remember him fondly was our worship pastor for several years. John had a powerful, clear voice. Who could he sing? And one of John's signature songs was, I bowed on my knees and cried holy. And when John got to those, that phrase, I want to see Jesus. He's the one who died for all. That congregation came out of their seats and with thunderous applause and some even whistled, I want to see Jesus. He's the one who died for all. Oh, we're going to see all the saints. We're going to admire them. We're going to see our loved ones that we've missed. But when we get to heaven, we will see all the glory that Jesus gave up to come to this earth. And that's exactly what he wants for us, and that's what we want. Look what he said to his father. Father, I desire that also they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me from the foundations of the world. And that's why God's aging children get happier. (laughs) We are getting weaker. We are getting feebler. I have demonstrated that this morning. And we are getting sicker. But our spirits (laughs) are getting better and better. 
because we know that we are one day closer to seeing Jesus. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Whew. Well, I've loaded you down with a lot of stuff. So take a breath and let's do a little review before we go on. And let your mind rest a little bit. Heaven is sure. Surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Heaven is a reunion. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then heaven is forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, David was a shepherd. And the life of a shepherd with his sheep was nomadic. And they wandered from here. They wandered to there. And you know, after doing this series, I am persuaded that one of the reasons that God compares us to sheep is that there's so much that we can learn from sheep about our life. And I, one of the things that I have learned is that God does not want us to settle down here. You know, I've been in a lot of airports. And I have never said, you know, oh, this is a beautiful airport. Wow, look how they've decorated this. They've spent a lot of money. You know, I just like it so much, I just think I'll just stay here in the airport. I don't care how that airport looks. I don't care how beautiful it is. I'm not interested in staying in airports. I'm only interested in one thing, using that airport to get me home to the people I love. And folks, I'm afraid that we are spending too much on the temporal and the temporary. And too much of us are spending too much time and energy on this transit station. Max Cato says it well in Traveling Light. He said, would you treat this world like home? It isn't. The greatest calamity is not to, feel from, not to feel far from home when you are, but to feel right at home when you're not. Don't quench, but rather stir this longing for heaven. God's home is forever. We're not home yet. We are not there yet. And one day we will be there. And he will wipe every tear from our eyes. And death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. For the former things are passed away. We don't know a lot about heaven. But we know that a loving God a magnificent God of creation is preparing that place. And we know enough about it to make us long to dwell there. Are you too comfortable down here? Or do you have this longing in your heart for heaven? Folks, is there a sweeter promise in all the word of God than I will dwell in the house 
of the Lord forever. Pray with me. Father, help us to dwell on our dwelling. And help us not to get so comfortable here that we don't get homesick for our eternal home. And Father, we look forward to being home with you and our loved ones forever. And until then, may we be faithful. And Father, may each of us try to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. We pray in the name of Jesus, who has gone to prepare a place and will one day come and take us home. And all God's people said, Amen. Today we're going to give you an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and reserve your place in heaven, not through anything you do, but through the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. So come and cling to his cross today for salvation. Cling to what he did for you. And you say, how do I do that? You accept the fact in belief that Jesus did that for you. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. That's your decision to make. If you would like to become a member of Bellevue, we'd love to have you in this family. If you need to obey him in baptism, and some of you do, we'll help you make that decision as well. Let's stand and sing.